This is People Every Day. Coming up, Mia Farrow issues a surprising statement about the deaths of three of her children. Plus, Kristen Stewart steps into the role of Princess Diana and creator of CBS's Clarice, Jenny Lumet, on the struggles of women in Hollywood. It's April 1st. Hello, everyone. This is People Every Day. Janine Rubenstein here, and it is a gloomy, rainy Thursday out my way. Uh, later in the show, I, yeah, 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 just kidding. You thought something was wrong with the audio, didn't you? April Fools, I got you. <laughs> later today, we delve into a new series that has its own level of gloominess, but with some exciting twists. I'm talking CBS's Clarice. I catch up with veteran Hollywood writer-producer Jenny Lumet, who created the show, and she shares the very personal connection she has to the material and the famed serial killer catcher. But first up, though, let's talk top stories. And joining me to get into that is TV editor Brianne Heldman. Hi, Brianne. Hi, Janine. You got me. I totally thought you were <laughs> pausing. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> well, okay, so I want to start off um, with this pretty unusual statement that, that came out from actress uh, Mia Farrow. Uh, the actress posted a message to Twitter last night where she details the deaths of three of her 14 children and, and basically says that she's speaking out now to honor their memory after, quote, vicious rumors about their deaths began circulating on online. So, um, Brianne, I think a lot of people were surprised to read this for a number of reasons. I, for one, didn't realize her family was that big. Uh, what did she say about her daughters, Tam and Lark, and her son, Thaddeus? Well, first she started by saying how each of them died. She said that Tam died at age 17 from an accidental drug overdose related to migraines, that Lark died in 2008 at age 35 from complications from HIV AIDS, and that her son, Thaddeus, uh, who was adopted by Pharaoh in the early 90s, died by suicide in 2016 at age 29. Yeah. And you really don't hear her speaking about this. I mean, a, a lot of this happened years and years ago. She doesn't really open up and give these types of statements. So it, it definitely caught a lot of people off guard. But it is coming on the heels of HBO's Allen versus Pharaoh documentary, um, which, of course, centers on Dylan Pharaoh's claim that Woody Allen sexually abused her as a child. He's repeatedly denied that and has accused Pharaoh of manipulating Dylan. It also comes about two years after another one of Alan and Pharaoh's adoptive children, Moses Pharaoh, wrote a blog post accusing Pharaoh of creating a hostile environment um, as a parent for her children. So why is this post coming up again right now? Well, certainly the interest in, in Mia is increased tenfold because of the documentary. But one of the things that really people who have been watching it multiple times and really picking it apart realize was that these three children were not mentioned in it. Uh, so then people started looking things up and they came upon this two-year-old blog post by Moses. Got it. Got it. Got it. And, and, and I think it said in there that, that for all of us, life under my mother's roof was impossible if you didn't do exactly what you were told, no matter how questionable the demand. So this is a statement, you know, that Moses has made about um, his side of their life. And Pharaoh has, of course, denied these claims as has her 
her son, Ronan. Um, we'll obviously have to see what transpires from here. But Mia did say something that I think will resonate with families that have lost a child. She wrote, few families are perfect. And any parent who has suffered the loss of a child knows that the pain is merciless and ceaseless. And, and she went on to say that she feels blessed to be the mother of 14 and grandma of 16, and that although they have known sorrow, their lives now are full of love and joy. So this family has, has been through so much and so much in the public eye, right? Absolutely. I do love from her statement, she also said the line, everyone has their own battle to fight. And that is certainly very true. All right. Well, moving on to uh, Jen Shah. This is in Real Housewives territory, of course, a Real Housewives of Salt Lake City star. And there's much ado about her recent court hearing. Right. I mean, we've been down this road before with Real Housewives stars, unfortunately, you know, finding themselves in a pickle with the law. Um, but Shah was unable to participate in her own court arraignment on Wednesday due to technical issues caused by fans, right? More than 250 people called in. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I saw the call-in number floating around on my Twitter feed. So apparently that dial-in for this virtual court hearing on Wednesday could only fit 250 people. And uh, I guess Jen wasn't quick enough on the trigger there and couldn't get herself in. So now the court hearing is postponed to Friday. I am hoping that they are keeping that number a little bit more undercover. Oh, my goodness. This is the, the, the Zoom chaos continues. Like I heard that the judge was asking people to mute. And like, can you imagine 250 Real Housewives fans? <laughs> and they... You know, of course they weren't muting. Like uh, a CNN affiliate reported that people were heard saying, hey, I'm on for the Housewives trial. And hey, do you watch Bravo? Can you even imagine? Oh, my goodness. Like this is this is taking me back to the the, the cat meme court hearing where, where the guy like became a cat. <laughs> it was just chaos. But but let's let's explain to people um, a little yes. bit about who Shah is and, and, and why she even has this court hearing. She was she was arrested on Tuesday for alleged money laundering and defrauding hundreds of people, right? Like telemarketing? How, how, what's going on? She and her assistant, Stuart Smith, were arrested and charged on Tuesday of a telemarketing scheme that defrauded hundreds of people over 55. They were charged with one count of conspiracy to commit wire fraud and one count of conspiracy to commit money laundering, which those, those, uh, Charges sound so familiar after covering a college admission scandal. Yeah. So, yeah, they were defrauding older and computer illiterate people by operating multi-state telemarketing and in-person sales team that would sell essentially non-existent services, allegedly. Oh, my goodness. This is like... But just to give a little backstory on Jen Shaw, she is 47. She is a mom of two. Mm -hmm. Again, she's on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, which obviously has now only had its first season, but it certainly made a splash well, yeah. in the Housewives world. <laughs> and Jen is known for her totally outrageous style. And that was completely very clear from photos of her leaving court on Tuesday when she was arrested wearing this major fur coat and these crazy, wild, knee-high leopard print boots. Oh, my gosh. And she's the one with the, with the with the, the chalet, right? The the $4 yep. million dollar almost ski chalet 
that <laughs> that well that never actually belonged to her. Oh. It was a rental. Okay, you know. Well, well, we've seen this before. I mean, I feel like somewhere Teresa Giudice <laughs> is like, no, girl, don't do it. Don't fall into the trap. <laughs> yeah, I mean, season one, right out the gate. Thank you very much, Bravo. Wow, and it says uh, Bravo has also been deceived, considering they didn't know. Um, you know, she was pr- promoting the chalet on the show, and and all of these different things. So there's there's lots of different issues going on around here. Um, we'll have to see if she ever makes it onto her court hearing Zoom. But they, I think they should probably stop putting the number out there. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right? probably not. That seems like a thing that would be easy to redact from the court documents that are part of the public record. There were some celebrities on on that on that Zoom, but uh, okay. Let's let's shift over now to uh, Princess Diana, or rather Kristen Stewart, who is playing Princess Diana in the new movie called Spencer. We saw some new photos that surfaced of what she's looking like on set in character and with the actors who are playing Harry and William. Yeah, right? I cannot wait for this movie. I mean, I. It's it's going to be so beautiful. I love the concept of it. It is taking place over mm-hmm. a period of three days, a weekend spent at the Royal Christmas at Sandringham in December 1991, which is apparently when Diana decided that it was maybe time to leave Charles. Mm, okay. I love those movies that kind of like just put a microscope on like one particular moment and you're really able to Absolutely. dig in, right? And it's directed by Pablo Lorraine. And I'm sorry if I mispronounced his last name, but he's the guy who did the amazing Jackie O movie with Natalie Portman. So if anyone can really oh, tell the nice. story, it's him. What do you think about Kristen in this role? It was it took me a a minute when I heard that she was going to play Princess Diana to kind of wrap my head around it. But now, especially seeing the pictures, it feels like it works. Kristen Stewart is an outstanding actress who really hasn't gotten her due the way that she should have. I think that's sometimes sometimes what happens when you are in a massive franchise that you grew up in, essentially. Uh, I think she can carry it off. The photos are so spectacular. She just looks so much like her, but amplified. And it's so lovely. I I actually was watching Twilight the other night, just flipping channels and it was on. And I have such warm feelings about it. One of the things I really love about Kristen Stewart is she is deeply protective of the character she plays. She always loved Bella. She always really would represent her well in interviews and talk about all the things about her that were great. And I feel like she's really going to do that with Diana and that Diana's in really careful hands here. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it. This, I mean, those wispy bangs alone uh, deserve, (laughs) (laughs) deserve my time. (laughs) And the clothes and the jewels and the heck. All of that. Oh, the tiaras. Um, Brianne, thank you so (laughs) much for popping in today and, and explaining everything. Gladly. Next up, Clarice creator Jenny Lumet says it can be a scary world out there for women, on screen and off. Stay tuned. Hey, 
everyone. I'm Sid Evans, editor-in-chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce season five of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. So excited to be chatting with Jenny Lumet, a screenwriter, actress, and producer, and one of the main masterminds behind CBS's new show, Clarice. Yes, a cinematic thriller that's a spinoff continuation of sorts of the 1991 hit film, Silence of the Lambs. Uh, Lumet is no stranger to Hollywood. She's the granddaughter of one of my icons, actress and activist Lena Horne. But she also famously wrote the screenplay for 2008's Oscar-nominated film, Rachel Getting Married, uh, having become a powerful voice in relation to the Me Too movement, uh, race, and the entertainment industry. She's joining me now to talk about her journey, this new venture with Clarice, and why it's personal for her. Hi, Jenny. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. This is so wonderful. I'm such a fan. Yay. Awesome. Well, I'm such a fan. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Let's jump right to now with Clarice. It gives me the heebie-jeebies because that movie so <laughs> scares so scary. me. <laughs> so scary. Yeah. So scary. But tell me a little bit about why this is different. Um, I remember the exactly when Clarice Starling sort of stepped into my consciousness and I think into the public consciousness. And I remember thinking, who is this hero? Who is this young woman who can go down and reach into the hearts of darkness and pull out the light? And then she just kind of disappeared. Poof. I mean, no one heard a word. Yeah. From Clarice Starling for 30 years. And it always struck me as odd that we didn't hear from the woman who one. Um, <laughs> so uh, my partner, Alice Kurtzman, and I, I don't remember who, would be, who had the impetus, but we decided that hers was a voice that was really missing from today's television landscape. And it was a necessary voice. I mean, we've had a lot of, a lot of these uh, monstrous folk on TV, and I really yeah. wanted to hear from a hero. And if Clarice is indeed the young woman who is wired to speak monster, then that tells me that that woman has a lot of secrets. So let's, let's give folks a little bit of a synopsis. So we're, we're in 1993, right? This is after everything happened. Um, where is Clarice in the world when we get introduced to her on the show? Um, it is about a year after the events of Silence of the Lambs. And when we meet her, she's not in a good way. I, that kind of trauma can really do a number on you. And, she ha- and it has pulled up all the demons from her past. So Clarice has secluded herself in behavioral sciences department at uh, the FBI, which was quite a nascent department at the time. So basically, Clarice has locked herself in a tower. Mm. And she doesn't want to come out. And it is Ruth Martin, who is now the attorney general of the United States of America. The, and Ruth, if you remember, Ruth was the, is the mother of Catherine Martin, uh, the woman that Clarice saved from the well. And it is Ruth who pulls Clarice out and demands, doesn't give her a choice, that she joins uh, VICAP, which is her violent crimes 
task force. Yeah, you you light it like the way you talk about it. One, I'm so excited to see it, but you can tell like you are just so invested in this. Tell me, tell me where where did you find uh, you in this is storyline? If if and I'm not not saying that you speak monster, but I'm saying I'm saying like like how how it seems like it's almost personal for you bringing this story to life. Mm-hmm. Um, that Clarice is finally using her own voice after 30 years um, is something that s- truly struck a chord within me. As you were saying before, um, there is a Me Too connection in that uh, in 2017, I don't know if I, the right thing to say is I wrote a letter, I participated in the Me Too movement, and it was something that I hadn't discussed in 30 years. And the strength of all the women gave me the strength to use my own voice. And it's, and that's my connection, my personal connection to Clarice, what you do with your trauma, what you, and what you do with it is entirely up to you. And I'm not saying this in a raw, raw way. I'm saying in it, saying it in a, it is yours to own. And uh, people try to get their hands on it and take it and twist it and move it around, but it is your story and indeed her story. And it is different from everybody else's. And there's certainly something to be learned from it. And something that helps us understand who we are. You disc- I think that it's pretty safe to say that in the past four years, and certainly in the past year and a half, if one hasn't come face to face with some truths about oneself... Uh, you might have been missing the point. <laughs> There's been a lot going on. There's been a lot yeah. going on, and uh, uh, it makes you different. No, I think it's so powerful. And 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 you speak. I, I want to tell you, I um I interviewed a number of the women involved in the documentary on the record mm-hmm. um, about just the multiple allegations against Russell Simmons. Mm-hmm. And 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 I read in my research for that, I read what you had to say about your account. And it's it, it's so moving to to know that so many women are finally. It, it's painful, but the freedom. Well. Thank you. And thank you for saying that. It can feel like wearing, gosh, it's it's wearing a very heavy cloak and you shed it and then you're in a completely new world. I mean, I I can't, I don't know everybody's experience. I only know my experience. And uh, you shed your cloak or another way to look at it is you uh, run out of a burning building instead of jump through the window and then you're in free fall. And then you land on the asphalt and then someone sort of calls you up and says, Hey, someone wants to do an interview. And you kind of go, what? I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm lying here on the asphalt. <laughs> so you know, maybe after I stop bleeding, um, the energy doesn't go away, but it changes form. And after I use my voice, I ended up developing and creating three television shows that got greenlit. Now that's, I'm not saying that that's what everybody should, should do, but, uh, the energy didn't go away, but I was able to change its form. And one of the forms it took is Clarice. Yeah. And I love the work that you guys have done behind the scenes on this show, too. I I read that, you know, you made sure to have a very diverse writer's room so that you are just pulling upon a lot of different experiences to just imbue these characters, you know, with that. 
I mean, I'm look, I'm a, I'm a 54 year old black woman in Hollywood. So technically speaking, they kill you at 26, you know, mm, yeah. <laughs> so I'm not necessarily supposed to be here for a lot of reasons. Uh, yet here I am. And I knew that our, our showrunner, Elizabeth Clavitter, um, uh, and Alex Kurtzman, we made a commitment that our writer's room looked like the world. I think that the old ways of everybody is a Caucasian male and everybody went to the same college and knows known each other for however long. I don't think it works anymore. I think it's, mm. I, I think that without all the different instruments available to you, your orchestra is going to be, be playing the same old song. Yeah. Uh, but I want to talk about um, what you did recently. And it's kind of related to this. You, you wrote this op-ed on race um, for Vanity Fair. Um, it's called Will Woke Go Up in Smoke? And and I'm, I'm wondering what was your, your impetus behind that? And, and, and it makes me think of, of your grandma and, and thinking of, you know, all the work that, that Lena Horne did in the world. Like what 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 do you think she would this is a loaded question. What do you think she would make of, of where we are? Now, I think that she would. It's a tricky question because I think that she, as always, would be thrilled by the voices of black women. Black women lived in her heart and her activity in the civil rights movement. She completely saw and understood that some black women were almost not excluded, but were just not given, not allowed on the same platform. But I feel like three women of color started Black Lives Matter. Um, that women, Brown women are using their voices as a political force, as an economic force, um, as a cultural bellwether. I think that she would be thrilled beyond measure. At the same time, she'd say, well, it's been here before. Mm -hmm. uh, in regards to writing that article, there's a moment now when, you know, I can do stuff and hope I won't get fired. And so this is what I'm doing. You have to, I have to, I, I'm not a particularly noble person. I'm not that interesting. <laughs> but if I can use my voice in a way that is uh, can be beneficial to another living, breathing human being, then I'll do it. That was Jenny Lumet, creator of CBS's new drama, Clarice. For more on the show, head over to people.com. Now, something to make you smile and more fashionable. If you're looking to add to your spring wardrobe, you might want to consider jumpsuits. Just ask actress Eva Longoria, who talked to people on the set of her photo shoot for The Beautiful Issue. She claims they are the perfect combination of stylish and practical, and especially came in handy when directing her upcoming movie, Flaming Hot, about the inventor of Cheetos. Just listen to her hilarious pitch for why jumpsuits are a must wear. I can pick my leg up and I can squat down and not worry about, you know, plumber's plumber's butt. What is that? The plumber's crack? I don't know what it's called, but you know, it's just easy. I guess there will be no unseemly wardrobe malfunctions on her watch. Have a good one, you guys. Talk tomorrow. Talk tomorrow. 